Yes, people, we're keeping that festive BS going and we're bringing you a Boxing Day edition of Echo Chamber. So, let's get to the charts from the weekend of the 7th to the 9th of December. Surprisingly, at number 10 is Robin Hood. At number 9, we've got the ROH's production of the Nutcracker. At number 8, sorry to bother you. Fantastic film, people. You need to see it. At number 7, The Old Man and the Gun. At number 6, Nativity Rocks. At number five, we have Bohemian Rhapsody. At number four, Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grimswold. At number three, we have Creed 2, and we have a review of that in today's episode. At number two, we've got The Grinch. And at number one, Ralph Breaks the Internet. So, yeah, we've got... um. Three interv- free, um, reviews this week We've got Creed 2 Bird Box And Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse So let me i just um, say the, the Creed 2 And the Spider-Man reviews the, the main body of those Were done the cinema, so I had to try and find a quiet little spot, and so yeah, if there's some background noise, if it's a little bit quiet, that's the reason why. Okay, so let us get to those reviews. So we have a, a sequel to 2015's. I'd say big surprise because I I don't think people thought that um the Rocky franchise had anything left in it until Creed came, uh and you know that that definitely helped save Michael B Jordan's career after Fantastic Four, and it shot Ryan Coogler into um stardom from. The great indie films he was making Even Sylvester Stallone Won awards for it And Tessa Thompson Well Damn it what can we say about Tessa Too fine Thompson But yeah Three years later we have Creed 2 Um It's Directed this time because Kugler was Tied up with Pamphlet at the time So it's directed by Stephen Capel Jr It's written by um, Che Hodre Coker Who um, People know from Luke Cage <coughs> And um, I think Ryan Coogler was Executive project, Executive producer On the film uh, so again, we've got Michael B. Jordan, Sylvester Stallone, Tessa Tufine Thompson. Um, 
And we have some additions. Dolph Lundgren reprises his role of Ivan Drago. And we have um, Florian Montanillo, who plays his son, Victor Drago. Uh, so, the the storyline for this one is, years after Adonis Creed made a name for himself under Rocky Balboa's mentorship, the young boxer becomes the heavyweight champion of the world. While life is good with that victory and his marriage to Bianca, trouble comes to Philadelphia when Ivan Drago, the Russian boxer who killed Adonis's father Apollo, arrives with his son Victor to challenge Adonis. Against Rocky's advice, Adonis accepts the challenge without his mentor's participation. Um. Yeah, and then the story goes from there. I, I, I can't read any more of that synopsis because that synopsis basically gives away the whole storyline. So um, let's not do that. But uh, yeah, let's go to um, my thoughts. Okay, so the story is pretty much, you know what I mean, it, it, it is pretty much set, we know what it is, you know, just from the, from the posters, from the, you know, the, like the setup, it's all, it's all, it's kind of contrived, but it is what it is, so the film, like, we, we get, it starts in Russia, so you have, um, Ivan training his son, and then his son, like, winning some fights, like, devastating, knocking people out, you know, really trying to show that this is a monster. Then we flip back to America, and Adonis is in a fight for the heavyweight belt, and, um, yeah, so he wins the heavyweight belt. He's the heavyweight champion. And then it kind of goes from there. And we're like, his life is kind of, it's like all coming together for him. But it's not together for him. Like mentally, um, emotionally, anything like that. Um. And so that's what this film is trying to say. That, that you know what I mean? Like something is missing. Like this, this big plot of his life is missing. And um it it, it, it doesn't really come together like that though. You know what I mean? It's not you don't really get a sense of it. It's all like everything is a little contrived. And it doesn't feel real. Like the fact that, you know, Adonis is fighting at heavy rate just seems off. Because he's, he, he, he's, he looks more like a welterweight than a heavyweight. So you're like, 
you know, it's, it's, it's hard to believe a lot of the things that are happening. Like, he has a conversation with Bianca at the very beginning. Like, something happens and they have this conversation. But it doesn't feel real. You know, it all feels choreographed, scripted. Um, which is a big problem with the film. Like, the setup for the victor fight feels contrived like very even more contrived than the actual concept of the story it doesn't seem right because well you know, victor turns up and then he becomes a candidate for the belt that's not how it even works so you you know the film is going against the you know the whole essence of boxing the whole way like everyone knows how difficult it is to get these fights so that whole fight it just seems like what we what's going on here and then when you see them together it's like this shouldn't be happening they're not even in the same weight class what what is this it makes no sense and then the way that fight ends all right wait what this is insane it's insane made no sense made no sense because you know like adonis has got all these injuries victor should be suspended like should be if if this happened in current day boxing victor would have a at least a year's suspension but that's not what happens and he he has a fight like a few months later while adonis is rehabbing and so you're just like i don't understand these time frames the time frames all seemed off everything didn't really fit together and i'm scratching my head all the way through like what is happening here bianca's music career and this bianca as a whole seems very one-dimensional in this film you know they make her pregnant but that's it that's it like she doesn't have anything else in this even though it's like um, let's move to la to help my career you don't really see any of that so she seems a very one-dimensional being here but and i wasn't ex expecting this everything came together towards the end it is like so he, adonis is training for the second fight and he's doing road work and he falls down and the moment he gets up that's when it all comes together and you're like oh shit the film has finally found its feet it finally understands what it is and then yo everything is just like you know the 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 scenes come together the 
feeling comes together. You finally have that emotional attachment. Because you see him working, training, struggling. And he goes into the fight. And, yo, know, it, it just all fits. It, 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 it's like, for even in the first fight, the choreography, the camera work is extremely good. It's tremendous. You can't fault it. But in the second fight, it really adds an emotional component to it all. And, yeah, you're just left like, oh, what's happening? What's happening? Like, technically, you know what's going to happen. But the way it plays out is, yeah, it's perfect. It, it's, it really draws you in. And I think at the end of the film... Like you, you see, you, it, the message really seems to be is, is like forgiveness and acceptance, you know what I mean, and understanding because Ivan seems to f- really get his son. So Ivan and Victor find that peace, like. I think Adonis and Bianca finally come to terms in their new situation. So, yeah, this this ends very well. So, like the beginning, not quite sure, but the end, yeah, end makes it a worthwhile, worthwhile film to see. It's not amazing, but it's steady for sure. So a big um, film this week hitting Netflix is Bird Box. Now this is the new film from Suzanne Beer. She's probably best known for Things We Lost in a Fire. And um, she directed The Night Manager that was on um, BBC. Uh, probably ooh, three years ago, something like that. Uh, this was written by Eric Heiser and Josh Mellerman. Um, Josh Mellerman wrote the novel. <coughs> and it is starring Sandra Bullock, Trevante Rhodes, John Malkovich. Sarah Paulson, uh, Rosa Salazar, uh, Little Ray, Lil Rail Howry, Tom Hollander, Machine Gun Kelly. Uh, it is also 124 minutes, so just over two hours. Um, the story is. In the wake of an unknown global terror, a mother must find the strength to flee with her children down a treacherous river in search of safety. Due to unseen deadly forces, the perilous journey must be made blindly. Directed by Academy Award winner Susan Beer, Bird Box is a thriller 
starring Academy Award winner Sandra Bullock, John Malkovich, Sarah Paulson, and Trevante Rhodes. Yeah, so um, I don't know. It, it's funny because you know we, we, earlier in the year we had a quiet place where um, to survive you can't make noise, and in this film to survive you can't look at things. So it's kind of funny that we have these kind of apocalyptic survival films with similar themic kind of sentiments but vastly different but both well worth to watch I'll say it right now Um, we so we start off in in a present day with this and um yeah there's a, a, a kind of a glimpse of hope you know so uh Sandra Bullock's character Meryl Mallory 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 yes Mallory she she gets she hears a message on the walkie-talkie saying that you know there there's a a colony a, a hub a hub of hope let's say but to get there it's going to be a treacherous journey and they advise it's not one made with kids Obviously, you know, because what kind of film would it be if it's going to be a safe, easy journey, right? So we have this, and then she gives a pep talk and a half to the kids. But you can't fault her for it. Can't fault her for it. Because you just think, yeah, they got to know. They got to know. And even after the talk, there's still pains in the asses. But yeah, that that's the film, right? So yeah, we we have this, and then we have them, you know, setting out on the journey, and they're using the, these kind of ropes and pulleys, and you're thinking, like, where did this all? Where did it all come from? How did all this? get here but yeah so um you know they get out onto the river and then we go five years in the past and so we're, we're getting the the setup of the film now you know um and yeah, she's at a clinic with her sister um, well, they're driving to the clinic at first, and then they're at the clinic, and then, you know, what happens in these situations obviously happens, and obviously there's a, a extremely traumatic event, obviously, because, you know, 
what doesn't scar your um, leading character, <laughs> as they say. So we have all these events that kind of, um, you know, kind of let us know that this big major thing is happening and everything's gone crazy. Then we go into survival mode and they are, and it's them having, going through all these different steps, all these different kind of things that they're trying to think, right, will this help us survive? Should we do this? Like, what do we do? You know, is that at the beginning? No one knows about the whole blindfold kind of thing. Uh, so, yeah, they're trying all these different kind of things to work out. And, uh, like, uh, occasionally a, a waif and stray shows up. Uh, and one of those, one of those that turns up. Now, there's an incident that happens. And I'm a bit like, you know... <sighs> That it it I I feel that that moment does shake your your faith in the film because you do it, I I feel it's a bit clumsy and you know it, it, it you you think well how the fuck did that like you know that makes no no sense how that happened you know it, it, it's not really logical how how that happened because the, 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 we see another incident with someone like that and it doesn't fall it, it's not fooling anyone so it's a bit like you know how how does that happen and if you can get past that, you're fine. But I, I do think that moment could ruin the film for a lot of people. But, you know, we, we get past that. And, yeah, the, the, then we kind of see new things, new bits. And it answers some of the questions that we have. As the film starts. But. I think the film is put together well. Other than that moment I've just mentioned. You know. There, there's a lot of the. A lot of questions that get asked. In, in situations like this. You know. We've seen kind of bad versions of films like this. And. You, you ask these questions. You're just like. Wait, why aren't the people saying this. Why aren't these arguments happening? Why aren't... And a lot of these things happen in this film. You know, uh, John Malkovich's character, for one. You know, he, he he's um, not letting a lot of things lie. You know, there, there's situations with Lucy. Um, Lucy and Felix. And you're like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. You know. Definitely, I can see that that shit happening. So it it's good in that respects, 
that you know throughout the film you do you have all these questions but as the film goes on these questions do get answered and and you're you're left to kind of think oh okay yeah no i'm enjoying this this has been put together well you know this the script is decent like the acting for the most part the acting is decent and i i would say the kids hold up their end of this film because a lot of the times kids are irritating as fuck but the 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 the, the, the two kids boy and girl <laughs> don't have to be uh you know all like oh what are the names yeah boy and girl yeah they do they they're not bad like don't get me wrong they don't have to do a whole heap of shit but with what they have to do they do it all right you know they yeah they hold their their shit up so that was good and i think the film doesn't end too badly either like there is a moment when you're like well how would they get through that like that but other than that yeah it, it, it it's not too bad like I would say when you see the name of a place, it is a bit, I, I guess it's a bit like, mm, oh, come on. But then on the flip, you know, it does make sense. Does make sense to a, to a lot of degrees. So, you you know, it's that's not a killer. But, yeah, I I I would definitely say this is a well worth the watch. It's a it's it's definitely a decent film. I'd recommend this well over something like Aquaman for sure. Yeah, so yeah, it it was good and it, it's kind of like the sister, the cousin to a quiet place i think a quiet place is the better film but this this still isn't a bad second place so yeah if you liked a quiet place if you liked the kind of survival type films this is well worth a watch um even though it has got one of the worst taglines. Oh, the tagline to this film. This is what it is, right? Never lose sight of survival. Fuck off. The person that wrote that tagline, they need to shoot themselves. Because it is terrible. Just terrible. But the film isn't. So, if you fancy something to watch over this horrible festive season check out bird box it's the new film on netflix only two just over two hours like two uh two hours and four minutes um it's rated 18 rated r in america uh yeah and it's a it's a decent watch for sure cool okay so Lastly, we have Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. 
Um, this is directed by Bob Perchetti and Peter Ramsey. It's written by uh, Philip Lord and Rodney Rothman. Uh, and it stars a plethora of voices. Shamik Moore, Jake Johnson, Haley Steinfeld, who you'll soon be seeing in Bumblebee. Um, Marishala Ali, Brian Tyree Henry, Lily Tomlin, Zoe Cravats, like, yeah, Nicholas Cage, there's a Kimo, Kimiko Glenn, there is a, a plethora of talented voices, Chris Pine, oh yeah, so many, so many people up in this, um, it is, um, yeah, from Avi Arad Productions, Columbia Pictures, Lord Miller, Amy Pascal is a producer on it, so Sony went, yeah, I mean, they're trying to go hard into their Spider-Man universe, and, and Yet I think this, like Venom, meh, wasn't feeling Venom, but this, yo, this is the golden ticket, right? You know what I mean? The storyline is Miles Morales comes across the long dead Peter Parker. This Peter Parker is not from his world, though. He's from somewhere else in the multiverse. With Parker's guidance, Miles will become Spider-Man. And through that, he will become part of the ever-expanding Spider-Verse. Well, all I can say is... Damn! I mean, look, I've heard... You know, I've heard people say that this was, you know... I've I've a highly enjoyable film, but I heard people say that about many a thing that I dragged myself to see, like Deadpool for one. Ugh. So um, colour me crazy, surprised and happy. I mean, I, what you can say, I mean. Uh, people might not get this, but I would say this is a love letter to Brian Bendis and Dan Slott for sure. But you can definitely see elements of their runs on um, whatever iteration of Spider-Man in this film. You know, Bendis created Miles Morales. And um, Dan Slott, he uh, he actually wrote the Spider-Verse series a few years back. And, um, you know, brought in the whole kind of concept. And you can see kind of traces of what they've done in this, in this 
highly enjoyable film. Yeah, and another thing is like I've never really been a big fan of the animation stuff. Yeah, a lot of people like uh, Superhero Squad was good, and I didn't like that. Uh, you know, uh, there was that dreadful Spider-Man in the future series from many moons ago. Um, but yeah, I've, I've, you know, I've, I've never kind of resonated towards them. So the fact that this was so enjoyable is is another kind of big shock to me, I would say. It's like the way it starts is um is fun, you know. You have um it's like the recap of everything that has already come to pass. Uh, so you don't get like the you know a full half an hour origin or anything crazy and redundant like that because everyone knows the story. But you get little clips, kind of, of the the Spider-Man films. Um, so the Sam Raimi ones, and then the Andrew Garfield ones, and there's I th- there's even something from uh, the Tom Holland. The funniest is the the throwback to the third Spider-Man. Now that that was hilarious because everyone knows that that scene in particular is like what the fuck so the fact that we're poking fun of it you know that's all good but it it, you know it's done in this way that that's really kind of endearing and then once you once we've had that Suddenly, we we then shift to whole Miles Morales. So, uh, you know, this is Miles Morales as Miles Morales. He isn't um, he isn't Spider Man yet, uh, and so we kind of get that origin. Although this is different to the comic books, but ain't mad at it. You know what I mean? It, it's done in a way that you're like, okay, yeah. You know, this this makes sense. This you can be okay with, you know. Um, so, yeah, we, we get that kind of story, which is interesting. You know, it's playing on a lot of different things. And it, it's incorporating different things as well, like graffiti and, and music. So that's cool. And um, the the thing that I I really liked, you know, Miles starts talking to himself, and the inner monologue is like um, comic balloons, not but like panels, like the way they do in uh, comics now. It's like the panels kind of uh, like jumped up, which, which is very cool. I mean, it looked very cool. I couldn't see what any of them said, but um, you know, it didn't. It didn't spoil my enjoyment of the film. So that was very, um, you know, that's a big thing. If if those things you can let slide, you know that the film is um, is doing good. So. 
you know, we have Miles's story, and then it kind of all feeds into the whole Spider Verse situation, and it's it is well done, you know. Like I think the different iterations of Spider-Man, they're handled really well. So, you know, people that read the comics, they will will know these characters. And to be honest, you know, the film does them good. You can't go, ugh, that's terrible. Like, oh, man, they ruined that. They totally... <laughs> it's um, It's all handled really well. And the story is just flowing. Yeah, it, it's got a great use of of design and like color schemes and, and different types of animation, which shows the glitches between the multiverse and then the flashes of the multiverse. Like all of that. It's kind of it's it's kind of transfixing, you know. You're 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 definitely you're like hypnotized by what you're seeing on the screen. It's so compelling, you know. Like every every moment, every beat of the story, you're locked in, and it's yeah. I I I just loved every moment of it. You know, it it's got a, a really good end. Which will, I, I feel, you know, you'll definitely be, I think, satisfied. You're going to be satisfied with this story. And as everyone knows, they're already planning the sequel and a spin-off. And you just think, yeah, I'd like to see more of this. You know, hopefully, you know, it, it's going to be as well thought out. And they're not going to rush it. But if they do it right, th- this is great. It it is is such a such an enjoyable story, and there is a really good Stanley cameo in the film. Really good little cameo, <laughs> which which was nice um, and fitting. It seemed to you know seems really just perfect for this time. You know. Um, at the end, in the end credits, there's something about Stan, um, but, you know, I couldn't see it, but I think it's probably a, uh, a, a dedication of sorts, some, you know, something like that, so, you know, stay for that for sure, but, you know, I don't think anyone that is a fan of the MCU, or, or, you know, even if you're not a fan of that, if you're just a fan of Spider-Man alone, you'll love it, but hell, you know what, even if you're not a fan of Spider-Man, if you're not a fan of the MCU, if you're just a fan of great animation, you will get on board with this, and the soundtrack, the way music is incorporated into this film, is fantastic. It really, it really does help with the story. Like just every moment of it just works. Everything that they seem to do, 
it works. So people, if you haven't seen it yet, definitely check out Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. You will not be disappointed. Well, it's that time as we draw to a close of another episode. So let's get to a little bit of film news before we dust. Um, with uh, Bumblebee coming out recently, there's been talk about some of the other Star Wars franchise stuff that was talked about a few years back when they opened up a writer's room. Like, one of those films was um, an animated one that would look at Cybertron and its whole mythology. And it seems that that film is still in the works and that we might see it, you know, in the next year or two. Producer Lorenzo D. Bonterera um, was speaking the other week and he said we actually have an animated movie in the works that will tell the whole Cybertron mythology the fans will love it um, and then when he was asked about the proposed Optimus Prime film he had this to say which was less promising we're trying to figure out an Optimus Prime solo movie. It will be hard with Optimus. He is always right. Very stoic. And is a man of few words. It's kind of like saying, let's do a movie about Obi-Wan Kenobi. But how much is there to say about Obi-Wan? It's not so easy. Um... Yeah, which is, <laughs> so, you know, we, a Cybertron animated cartoon could be interesting. Who knows? But um, Bumblebee has been getting the best reviews of a Star Wars film. But it's not taking a lot of money. So, who knows what will happen with this franchise. Okay, so, next up. We have um, the um, third John Wick film. You know, that's going to be hitting pretty soon, I feel, like next year probably. Um, and the director, Chad Stasak, ooh, Chad Stahelski, was... Um, Talking with Entertainment Weekly about, you know, working on the franchise and with Keanu. And he said, I enjoy making these movies because there's no limit. We create our own mythology and we have a studio that both stays out of our way and supports us on the wacky decisions. If people go see the movie and it makes money and they came back to us, Keanu and I have ideas for days. I could live here for the rest of my career if people like it and um, want to watch more. I could think of way worse ways to spend your career. But, you know, we're in the entertainment business. We'll let the audience figure that out. 
So, um, yeah, who knows? There has been talk about doing a, um, a spin-off TV series about the hotel the con- called The Continental. It's in the works, but who knows if it will actually go anywhere. Um, and there's also talk about doing a a, 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 f- a film spin-off about a child assassin. Kind of sounds Leonish. Who knows? But funny thing, <laughs> as we're talking about John Wick um, and the, its director... Let's just say Chad. Um, a while ago, he was in the, you know, his name was thrown in to rebooting the Highlander franchise. Um, and it, like while he's been out talking about uh, John Wick, he had this to say about it. I still very much want to go in and do Highlander. I'm a huge fan of the property I'm involved in and working on the script now called Sandman Slim, which I fucking really, really like. It's a fantasy a book series by Richard Kadri. We're working on the script right now. So between those two projects, I feel very fortunate. So, hmm, who, who really knows? Because that's confusing. He's talking about Sam, um, Highlander, and then he's going, oh, but I'm doing this other one. But, you know, uh, from the sounds of it, we're, we're not going to see a Highlander film for a few years. But, I don't know, I think it might need a few years still to get rid of the bad taste of all those dreadful sequels. Okay, so after the the huge success of um, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, uh, with, with the Rock and Gillian, um, Kieran Gillian, uh, you know, so yeah, talk has um, been doing on on a third one and. That will go into production. A f- so yeah, a third Jumanji, a third Jumanji film will go in production on the twenty-first of January. So they're thinking about a three-month shoot with it wrapping in April, end of April. Um. So yeah, if it's wrapping in April, that means. It's, um, yeah, they're looking at a December release. I don't know, it's a little tight, but, you know, who knows with these things. But can it live up to the, um, the hype of the last film? Because, I mean, the last film took everyone by surprise. No one is expecting it to be any good. So... You know, like, should they stop there or, um, you know, con- well, they're going to continue. So, yeah, it's just like, what the fuck will this one be like, right? Okay, so, next. 
next, um, Adam McKay. He's got a film called Vice that's soon to um, hit the cinema. So he's out doing a lot of press about that. And um, so, you know, people have asked him, like, what's next for him within the um, Marvel Universe? Because, you know, as we all know, he came in and did Ant-Man after Edgar Wright left. And he was involved with Ant-Man and Wasp as well. So, um, yeah, when asked what, what he wants to do, this is what he had to say. Uh, Silver Surfer is the one I want to do, man. I would do anything to do Silver Surfer because visually you could do what the Wachowskis did with Speed Racer with the Silver Surfer. At the same time, there's a great emotional story in there, man, where Noran Rad, a.k.a. Silver, has to make the choice to save his planet. That would be the one. Um... He also, you know, talks about how he's had conversations with Kevin Feige about picking up Guardians of the Galaxy and directing the third one. Like, we've talked a little about it. Yeah, we were kicking around the idea of the Inhumans at one point. We've always, we're always kind of talking. I think Feige is just the greatest and what they're doing is amazing. I think they're kicking around a Nova idea now too. So, um, nothing concrete. But, um, you know, who knows? Avengers 4 is out next year. And they're going to come with the plans of phase 5? I think we're on phase 5 now. So, yeah, so, you know, they'll definitely be throwing up new films. And who knows what Adam McKay might be involved in, right? Okay, so, as we're on the Disney, um, the Disney front, um, Sean Bailey has served as president of production at Walt Disney Studios in 2010. And, um... Yeah, I think he's um he's he he's got a lot going on right now. 2019 sees him taking on one of his most powerful slates to date. We've got Captain Marvel, Dumbo, Avengers Endgame, Aladdin, Toy Story 4, The Lion King, Artemis Fowl, Frozen 2. And Star Wars Episode 9. Um, and launching the um, Disney Plus, the streaming platform. So, he's, um, you know, he, 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 he recently spoke to THR, THR. And discussed um, a few things. Like, he says, The Lion King is neither live action or animation, as it uses techniques that apply to both. He says, There's no real end in sight to the studio's plans to remake the classic animated movies, as they always 
might hear something that excites them. He admits the upcoming Disney Plus service is aiming to release four to five major original films a year and some smaller films that Disney has released in recent years like Queen of Katawi, um, McFarland USA and Million Dollar R will be the kinds of things that will um, skip the cinema and go straight to the streaming service. Uh, some of the films that will be coming out are um, Stargirl, Togo, Timmy Failure and Lady and the Tramp. Um, he then confirms that that the um, Pirates of the Caribbean reboot that's being written by um, Reet Reese and Paul Wernick is a complete reboot. And that means no Johnny Depp, no Orlando Bloom, no Kira Knightley. Where you know, I mean, everything's being torn down and started from the beginning. And thank God, because Johnny Depp had stopped acting and just being this weird pirate Depp. So I, I think this will definitely help that franchise and it will definitely help Johnny Depp going forward. So, um, yeah, I mean, who knows if it's going to be any good. Maybe it should just die, but hey, we'll, we'll see. Um, okay. It's, it's a funny thing because, you know, uh, a couple of years ago, people were saying, you know, cinema is dying and no one's going and, oh, you know, the big bad Netflix and Amazon Prime are killing everything and illegal downloads, blah, 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 blah. Well, 2018 has been pretty damn big for the cinema trade. Um... And we've had some huge ass films, but there's also been some, oof, yeah, some really bad, bad misses. Um, so we've had things like the sister's brother. It cost thirty eight million, and it's only taken nine so far. The Happy Time Murders cost 40 million it's only taken in 27 million so far girl in the spider's web cost 43 million it's only taken in 31 million a wrinkle in time cost 100 million and it's grossed 132 million which you know what I mean it, it seems okay but I think they were expecting a, a lot more than that. And 32 million doesn't make it worthwhile for a studio a lot of the times to, to bother. Um, the Nutcracker and the Four Realms cost 100. Again, it only made 138. And Robin Hood cost 100. It's taken 65. And... That's not surprising. <laughs> but the huge 
the huge films of the year crazy rich asians it cost 30 and it grossed 238 Woo! halloween cost 10 it's grossed 252 a quiet place which is a superb film um cost 17 million and it's grossed 340 the nun cost 22 and it brought in 365 uh incredibles 2 cost 200 and oh jesus christ it's grossed 1.24 billion and yeah boy black Panther cost 210 and it has grossed 1.3 billion boom because it was a badass film everyone knows it <laughs> awesome all right what's next well it's um yeah it's um you know some of the um most anticipated films of 2019 okay so um imbd imdb ugh, i always get that fucked up um they've uh they've they, you know they've they did a poll and you know uh, to look for like you know the most anticipated films of next year so these are at number 10 hellboy at number nine aladdin at number eight joker at number seven glass at number six it chapter two at number five the irishman at number four once upon a time in hollywood at number three dark phoenix at number two, Avengers Endgame. And at number one, Captain Marvel. Whew. So, um, yeah, that's pretty big. I, like, And it's crazy that things like Spider-Man Far From Home, you know, Lion King and Star Wars Episode Nine weren't even on the list. But um, you know those three films are gonna be making bank so it's gonna be an interesting one next year for sure and um finally okay so we've got the um you know as i said look last year well this year was you know big for studios and i i, I think like nothing bigger really for um disney that uh has been killing it really um you know they they dominated and they've you know only got they only release a few films now um so but they're responsible for 20 percent 20 27 percent of the market share and over three billion domestically in the US. So it's their best numbers yet. 
which you know is is crazy because last year was their best numbers so every year they're killing it and it's still able to put out a couple of like not so great films like the nutcracker and solo didn't make the money that, that you know they were expecting but disney took the top three spots at the u.s box office with Black Panther, Avengers Infinity War, and Incredible 2. It also made more than 1 billion ahead of the near, next nearest studio, Universal. Um, so yeah, globally, Disney's ticket sales have been 7 billion. And the year's not even over. 7 being whoo god damn it no wonder you know they could they could afford to buy fox well well you know that's that's always a good note and it looks like there's some big films next year some interesting films coming next year so that's huge man and i would say my films of the year I would definitely say um, Black Panther. That you know, what I mean, loved Black Panther, loved Avengers, Avengers: Infinity War. Um, A Quiet Place was incredible. Blaze was fantastic. Sorry to bother you. Loved it. Really reminded me of early um, Spike Lee. Because it was just so inventive with the narration and with how they depicted the scenes. Um, Widows, Widows was great. A Private War, man, that was a serious film. Also, you know, especially because I remember like a lot of those events as they were happening. So yeah, that that was an interesting and hard watch. But yeah, there were some kick-ass films this year, man. So I'm hoping to be able to cover, you know, a lot more next year. So I'm going to be hitting those studios up. But um, yeah, there's some big films coming. So looking forward to 2019. Um, Alright, that's us. Peace.